I miss the old Jurgens, the Booster Gold Jurgens, Brave and the Bold Jurgens, before we trolled Jurgens. I hate the new Jurgens, the point at you Jurgens, Cal's pants are blue Jurgens, the bad review Jurgens. I'd like to read Jurgens and Rebirth needs Jurgens, but this is not even as good as Justice League Jurgens. See, we invented Jurgens, there wasn't any Jurgens. But then we saw him point and that became a Jurgens. We used to love Jurgens. We used to love Jurgens. We tweet us pointing fingers like we was Jurgens. But what if Jurgens wrote a comic about Jurgens? Called it the death and return of Jurgens. Man, that'd be so Jurgens. That's all it was, Jurgens. But I still love Jurgens. And I love you like Jurgens loves writing offensive accents. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the DC3 cast. I'm Brian. With oh, me as always are one. Zach and Vince, the rapping Vince, our uh, our own MC. That was My beautiful. My name is Vince and I'm here to say I like to rap in a Jurgens way. <laughs> that was impressive. Thanks. We have a high bar to to uh to, to get over this week to uh bring anything even close to that to the table but here we are it's our post new york comic-con episode thanks for tuning in as always um we're gonna get to book reviews in just a minute but let's talk about the dc news coming out of new york comic-con where do you guys want to start uh wild storm the, the wild storm yes uh dc's new imprint curated by warren ellis Bringing back the classic Jim Lee-created Wildstorm universe under uh, the editorial eye of the aforementioned Ellis. Um, we know it'll be eventually three or four books at least, but right now it's just going to be one, The Wildstorm, illustrated by John Davis Hunt, written by Warren Ellis. Um, when I heard this, I the, the image in my head was Zach, like the guy in Scanners, and his head blows up. Like, because this just seems so perfectly in Zach's wheelhouse. Um, Zach, how excited are you about this? Oh, I'm super excited. Like, when they announced this, I just, I mean, you saw my my crude reaction text. <laughs> yes, That's we so did. Cool. It does. <laughs> there were some eggplants involved, I believe. <laughs> something of that nature. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm really excited for this. Um, like, this is... I've I've been wanting like Wildstorm stuff to like take a bigger role at DC because um, I like came into Wildstorm really late. Um, I think oh I can't say exactly when it was, but it was like right before the New Fifty Two happened. Um, I kind of like read all of Planetary and like all of Ellis's Authority, and then kind of like dabbled in a few other things um, because it was still like. I feel like a lot of this stuff was really hard to find at the time. And I, I kind of even more so now, except for kind of those like very big mainstream things. Um, so I've like wanted a, a place to kind of like scratch that Wildstorm itch and there just hasn't been anything. And this is kind of like the perfect way, I think, to do that. Can we just talk for a second about how much of a coup this is for DC? Oh, it's huge. I mean, Ellis left DC under very, very poor circumstances. And he seemed like one of those creators that you would never see back at DC. 
Which and, tangent is a story that we're seeing more and more with Rebirth, but continue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with, with Greg Rucka, with um, even like Mark Wade having things reprinted again. You know, it seems like they're trying to mend these these uh, these relationships that, that really defined DC for a while. I mean, it seemed like you almost never heard of people leaving Marvel to come to DC for a while. That was, it was just always the other way around. Exactly. Really. They were always leaving DC to go to Marvel. And we're starting to see a bit of a change there. And Ooh. I don't know if that's just DC is paying better or DC has learned some lessons or just all this stuff is cyclical. I don't know. But I mean, this seems like as close to a home run as you can get in terms of bringing in a talent to handle a property that that people wanted to see more of, but like, so here's the thing. I think if they put Lobdell in front, in, in charge of Wildstorm, this wouldn't move the needle at all. Oh, but, no. be, but because it's Ellis, it's just such a perfect fit. It's, uh, yeah, this is, this is very, very smart. Well, I think like one of you mentioned, I think like pretty much the only way they could top this now is if they get Alan Moore to come back and write the like <laughs> Justice League versus Watchmen, you know? Yeah. Like, right. It doesn't get much more. There aren't like I mean they've got Frank Miller back doing Dark Knight stuff. Like you don't get much more iconic than than these kind of pairings. Uh huh. Absolutely. Vince, what do you think about all this? I <clears throat> I think it's incredible. I mean, um, I I want to like Wildstorm every time they give it to us. You know. <laughs> And this whole time, I'm th- I mean, we've talked about this. This whole time, I'm thinking, like, they're just going to give it to Steve Orlando because he's done the best job of writing those characters right. since the New 52 started. You know, like, like he clearly gets what makes them work uh, in co- comparison and contrast to the actual DC characters. And so this whole time, I'm thinking, because we know that, we know that they're, they've talked about a Wildstorm announcement coming some someday. Yes, know? yes. And and I just thought it was going to be Steve Orlando. You know, whether that meant that they were going to fold into his JLA stuff or it was going to be an entirely separate book that he would also be writing, I just assumed it was going to be him because that seemed like the easy money. Um and that would have been that would have been great. Like that if you would have asked me before, I would have said that's the one name that could get me excited because I would have just assumed Warren Ellis was off the table, right. you know. And then they, I, you know, I pop open Twitter and it's actually Warren Ellis. I'm blown away, you know. And I feel like, I feel like, like, like Wildstorm instantly went from being a joke to all of a sudden being like the thing that everyone is <coughs> most excited about. Yeah. You know? Well, I think also because it's coming off of, um, you know, we've gotten the first taste of Young Animal and how unique and interesting that feels. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, this is just this this idea of, like, pop-up lines that they've, pop-up imprints that they've kind of implemented is, like, just so fascinating and interesting. And, you know, it's 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 something that I feel like they've tried to do before. And that other, you know, other publishers have tried, you know, Marvel has done it with, I mean, you know, they've had like the Icon line and the Max line and things like that. And this feels different for some reason. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, 
I think it's a really interesting new model for comp for like the big two. Now let's let's dive in here for a second. So they've announced that this is happening in a separate universe, um, but we don't know if that universe involves Midnight or Apollo or not, or if right. they're now like part of DC proper. Um, yeah, it sounded really it sounded really vague and fluid, and I feel like that's probably purposeful. Yeah, because you know it's weird. Like you know when you think about it. There were other Wildstorm characters in Stormwatch, mm-hmm. and we've seen and and you know Grifter had his own book and all that. And we've seen those characters as part of the Wildstorm universe now. Like we've yeah. seen, um, uh, there is at least one Stormwatch member we've seen a redesign for, right? Um, yeah. Um, um, who is it? I'm drawing a total blank here. Oh, Engineer was Engineer. Yes, that's who it is. Well, she was Authority. But, but but she was in Stormwatch. But she was Stormwatch New Fifty Two. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. New Fifty Two. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I uh, I don't really know how it's going to work, but I really don't care either. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be similar to Young Animal, where conceivably this is all the same universe. Maybe it's not, and it really doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And I, man, I just think it's so fun. Like especially keeping it kind of small and contained at first. Like, uh, I I remember when Valiant came back and they started up and they only had like the four books. And I was kind of like enamored with the idea of like, hey, I can follow an entire shared universe in just four books. Like obviously that grew, but I don't know. I just, I'm really like intrigued by that. And oh man, I'm just excited! Like, oh, I'm excited! <laughs> and, and the art that the, you know, the, like the early design stuff looks really good. Um, I'm not very familiar with the artist. I, I'm, in fact, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Uh, John Davis Hunt. Okay, he is the artist on Clean Room, the Vertigo right. book written by Gail Simone. Oh, which I, I haven't been reading. I it's haven't been read good. a lot of the new Vertigo stuff. It's been uh, I'm I'd not caught up with it, but the bit the bits I've read, I've been very impressed with. Okay, uh, sp- specifically his artwork, actually. Um, it's interesting, you know. Um, I mentioned that Zach was one of the first people I thought of when I heard the Warren Ellis thing. Uh, Multiversity editor emeritus Walt Richardson was the other because Walt's a huge Warren Ellis fan, and he, what he said was that the underrated aspect of this news is that. Ellis is a really good eye for talent. And so he may not be getting folks on the books that, that we are going to say, like, I can't believe he got so-and-so creator, but they're going to be perfect for the book. I mean, yeah, like I, you had mentioned that and you could see some really interesting stuff. Like, you know, he's very, he's close to like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick. Declan Shalvey. De- yeah. But he's, you know, he's already kind of like mingling with dc now yeah yeah um but yeah like he he could be a very interesting connection for dc to reach out to people that i would have never expected to see right crossing over yeah yeah this is this is so surprisingly tasteful for 
<laughs> I mean, D- DC has really been. I can't believe how on point they've been to 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 turn a Guy Fieri phrase. <laughs> Just really. Yeah, I can't believe the stars aligned like this. Yeah. Well, we t- we mentioned Steve Orlando before, and more details about his Justice League of America book came out. It'll be illustrated, at least initially, by Ivan Rice, and uh, it's going to feature... The, the first four characters they announced are Killer Frost, the Adam, the Ryan Choi version, the Ray, um, and Vixen. What do you guys think of the... Let's start with those four characters. What do you guys think of the four characters? Very CW. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's yes. not a bad thing. No, it's not. Yeah, I, it... <laughs> It's time for all those characters to have a bigger spotlight in the comics, I think. You know, those are the kinds of characters that uh, DC dabbled in a little bit at the start of the New 52. I don't know if you guys remember there was a Ray. It was was a different Ray, though. It was a different Ray, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, Ray Terrell is the Ray, the the classic Ray. But Lucian Gates was the the Ray at that time, and he was a Korean-American, and... um, they gave him a really weird power with his flight where he had to, like, bounce off of something to change directions. Mm-hmm. So like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, if you read my article on Multiversity about the JLA, you would have seen that in reference. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. No, so, so that's a little bit different. And, you know, Ryan Choi makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I don't know. I know that the Ray is getting his own animated show on the CW Seed, and they made a big deal of the fact that he's going to be openly gay in that series. So I wonder if that I'm sure that's going to carry over to the comic too. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's already confirmed. Oh, has it been? I, I didn't see that. Yeah, I think. Well, I think Orlando's been like retweeting people that have been saying that, and so if DC hasn't confirmed it, he's he has right. He's basically confirming it through positive affirmation. Right, right. Um, no, I think it is a very CW lineup. I think it's a very like to me. This is the Justice League team that could have never happened in the New Fifty Two. Like, it just feels very much like all these characters have a... Well, minus Killer Frost, all these characters have some sort of association with the Justice League. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, you know, two of them, the Ray and the Atom, are legacy characters. And in story, Vixen is one of the line of people like who have been the Vixen before. So, so there's legacy all over that. Killer Frost is a classic DC move here where... They introduce the character as a villain in the comics, then as a hero on the Flash, and so all of a sudden you're gonna have her, yeah, be heroic, which is fine. Like that's, it's fine. that stuff happens. It's fine. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited about the book. I I don't know how many people are gonna be on the team, but I'm excited to find out who the others are. I'm I'm guessing there will be three more. Get to that standard seven. See, I feel like if you read the description of the book, they talk about how this Justice League is going to like go into the microverse and like all these different places. I feel like it's going to be an, an expanded team because of that. Do you think it's going to be like a United kind of thing? Or Unlimited, I mean? I don't know. Or I guess United did that too under Parker. It did, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It would be interesting. I mean, we've been saying... I. I wouldn't be surprised to see like Supergirl show up since Orlando's writing. I agree. And that also plays into the CW thing. 
my guesses are that you're going to see it be um, Supergirl, a Bat character, and um, I don't know who the last one will be. Yeah. You know, it's it, Oh, God. Um, I, I, at first, I was thinking it was going to be Nightwing was going to be the Bat character, but he's entrenched in Titans right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although, you know, they're, they're like, they're teasing this like fallout between Dick and Bruce. Yeah. So like, I wonder if Nightwing becomes, well, no, that wouldn't make, I mean, he's still got to lead the Titans or whatever. So yeah, yeah. you're, you're right about oh, that. Man, but... what if it was Kyle? Oh, Kyle Rayner. Uh-huh. Dude. <laughs> that'd you... be, that'd be extremely Brian. You shit. know what you're doing to me. <laughs> this ain't good. You're getting my hopes up. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that, like Grant Morrison JLA connection. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesse Quick was on the team. Oh, oh that'd, be, that'd great. be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that would again that. be a CW connection, and it would be a character we haven't really seen. Oh, um, speaking of characters we haven't seen, I just I just thought maybe of this. Power Girl actually after the team. Sorry, no, that'd be that's that would be interesting. No, I was gonna say, um, I believe I may be mistaken, but I, I think in the panel that they did talking about um, JLA and the Justice League versus Suicide Squad series, that there was a third team that was going to be introduced and i i wasn't i wanted to bring this up with you guys obviously that could be jla being being formed yeah but do you think that might also do you think jsa may come into play that's coming at some point right we know that Mm -hmm. um i i had a theory that i i i have no way of backing up Which was that we were going to get a fourth new book in dis- in February, but it wasn't going to be solicited as far ahead of time. Like, it was going to spin out of that Justice League versus Suicide, Suicide Squad event. Mm. But I feel like that's so hard to pull off nowadays. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. What we've uh, got coming, though, is very exciting. Yes, it is. And we'll get to some more of those books in a second. I just want to talk about uh, Ivan Reyes again. Um, what do you guys think about him as the partner for Orlando on this? I, th- I think he's a... fine. Oh. Oh. What? No, you, you finish. Oh, I was just going to say, I think he's fine. Um, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit uninspired by that, like, classic, detailed superhero style these days. Like, I just feel like I know exactly what to expect, and it's going to be good, but you know what that book's going to look like. There's no, like, mystery or surprise there. Forgive the terribleness of this uh, prediction here, but it kind of reminds me of Tom King with David Finch, where, like, there's this young writer that is doing really interesting stuff, and you're pairing him with a member of DC's old guard. Mm-hmm. And while I understand why you would want to do that, that's not what I want to see right now. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about um, one of the other books coming in February. Um, Super Sons, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez, which we've known for a while, but with new writer Peter Tomasi. How about that? <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yes. I think it's going to be very good. Um, I feel a little bit bad for um, Dennis Culver, who was one of the co-writers. I forget who the other one was. Chris that, Burns. Chris Burns, yeah. Um, and I would have liked to see what those guys did with those characters. But I think Tomasi's a pretty proven success in this in, in this area. Um, no, yeah. I, you know, now it's kind of like looking back on some of these issues of Superman. You know, it's the like issue number seven was almost sort of like a backdoor pilot. A Absolutely. Bit. <laughs> you know, obviously Damien wasn't in that, but. But I think it's, is it Superman number 10? I think so, yeah. That has Damien and Batman guesting. Which yeah. may actually be the real, you know, backdoor pilot. Right. Which I'm sure we'll get into it here in a minute with the other book that they announced. But I think it's interesting how DC is spinning off new books from the pre-existing ones. Right, right. Well, let's go, not not to pimp my own work here too much, but when I spoke with Lee and DiDio at New York Comic Con, they said that that was their method for this for this launch now, that they want to introduce characters within books and build those characters into their own successful books so that you're not getting the churn that was happening in the New 52 where they would introduce a, a new book and it'll be gone six or eight issues later. I like it. Makes sense to me. Really does. Um, all right. Um, anything else to say about Super Sons? I'm excited for it. Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. Vince? Yeah. I. Jimenez is like one of my favorite artists that DC has right now. Mm-hmm. I just love... I love how playful that style is and how, um, I mean, it really reminds me of my, I always, I always say this, so I sound like a broken record, but it reminds me of manga mm-hmm. style, you know, uh, whatever that means, you know, <laughs> there's so many different styles of manga to begin with, you know, I know what like, you mean though, but just some of the expressiveness and some of the, the, the facial expressions and the action sort of, uh, the way that it's, uh, laid out, you know, Almost kind of close to like the the Marvel manga, yeah, sure. uh, like universe that they did. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I just really like I think that fits so well for like a youthful book. Um, yeah, I'm looking, and, and I think it's going to be a funny book, and I think you need more funny books in our funny books, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a catchphrase waiting to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, last of the new books coming in February, Batwoman, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Steve fucking Epting. Uh, didn't expect that coming. No. Uh, I spoke to Marguerite at New York Comic Con, and she said that she's been sitting on this news for eight months. Wow. So that gives me a lot of hope that DC is planning this stuff far in advance. Yeah. And that, you know, we're seeing... Books, you know, so if she's saying that in October, that means in February she got this assignment. Well, and that also means that, like, if in fact, and I don't want to drag drag the rumor up again, you know, but if in fact she was supposed to write Wonder Woman and she got more or less bumped for 
Greg Rucka, uh-huh. like you you know that right away they would have had to go to her with this and say you know, like look you'll you'll be able to have this book, you know. Yes. That's just how I imagine it happening. I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Steve Epting hasn't done work for DC in over 15 years. Woo! And uh, that's a big deal. That's another creator. I don't think he left under bad circumstances. But I mean, when you think Epting at this point, you just think Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah Marvel or, or Velvet. Yeah. Yeah, Rubaker. Like, really, he's one of the, you know, like he and... Um... Oh gosh, why can't I think of his name? Sean Phillips. Yes, Phillips. Yeah, like those two names like are synonymous with Brubaker. Um, it's interesting. It's a big get. It is a big get. Um, what was interesting was I was with uh, Multiversity writer Ken Gobertson when we were speaking to Marguerite Bennett, and she Ken asked about the colorist for the book. And he's, she said, well, you know, Steve has guys he likes to work with, so we don't have one officially lined up yet, but we're working on that. We should be able to announce that soon. Um, I, I don't know much about coloring and how long coloring takes, but I would think that they would need to have somebody pretty pretty quickly on that book since it comes out in January, the, first, the Rebirth issue. Yeah. Right? Um but I hope that, that they're, you know, if they knew about this eight months ago, I'm sure they didn't start working on it eight months ago, but it, it gives me hope that there's that there's a long-term plan here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> um, of these three books, is there one that you guys are more excited about than others? So I'm excited for all three, I have to say. Yeah, it's really hard to pick. Um. I would probably say JLA just because I'm a sucker for a team book. Same here. But, oh gosh, I don't know. That Batwoman book. <laughs> and I mean, like, so, like the, literally all all three of them are just exciting in their own way. Yeah. I'll vote none. I'll pick Wildstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Not a choice, but that's cool. Um, yeah, what a, what a week of announcements for DC. It was good. I mean, I, I feel like it's been a, a very long time since they've kind of had that kind of like, you know, extremely exciting con, you know? Yeah. They've taken a backseat presence to, to Marvel and Image for the last few years. In fact, I think the I, the last time I remember there being like a big con rollout for DC was when they announced the Johns JLA. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, that's the last one that really comes to mind. I mean, not counting WonderCon this year when they announced all the Rebirth books. That's true. Yeah, I, I guess. But we all I, knew that was coming. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a surprise necessarily. Yeah, like, there, there's a certain vibe the week or two before a convention when you start to think, "Oh, is this going to be a big year?" Like we knew before WonderCon, like this is what they're going to do. They're going to yeah. announce all this. And stuff. I guess that's kind of why I didn't even think about that because that was like a preset event that I know I know it was attached to WonderCon, but. It was almost like its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, uh, so what else did we miss news-wise? Um, they released some art from the Commandy Challenge. Looks good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's January. That's coming. That's right around the corner, boys. 
Um, that's like that's like the announcement that's taking the back seat to everything else, and that's an amazing announcement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the talent that's on that book. Yeah, yeah. Tom King and Kevin Eastman, guys. Oh man, <laughs> that's a fun pairing. Oh yeah. What if what if what if Commandy comes across the Ninja Turtles? Oh man. <laughs> well, one of the things they announced in that press release was that none of the creators know what the other ones are doing. And yeah. there's total autonomy. That the only sort of guiding line here is that each book takes place on a different part of the Commandy Earth. Mm-hmm. And that some of them were introduced by Kirby in the original series and some are new creations. Awesome. I mean, I'm that excited. just sounds so much fun. Commandy's my shit, so I'm super excited. That's like my favorite Kirby. I'm a New Gods guy, but I, I, I understand that. Yeah. I do. Um, is there any other major stuff we're forgetting? I think that's most of it. There were a couple um, of, like, you know, people leaving books, coming on books, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bummed about John Boy Myers. Leaving Teen yeah, that's a big deal, because because that was not pleasant. It seems. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you don't know the real story, and it's it doesn't sound like it was as it doesn't sound like it was as poisonous as like those New Fifty Two departures that we always heard about, right? You know. But it, there was definitely a disagreement because he said it was creative differences. But, but Which no, coming from no, an artist is an interesting. Yes, yeah. it is. Can I tell um, you the theory that I heard? Sure. Sure. Apparently, in, this this seems really minor, but I suppose I could see you know uh, how it might have happened. But uh, apparently, in an interview, John Boy Myers said that he wasn't interested in. Uh, the Teen Titans revisiting uh, Trigon as a as a villain, uh-huh. and we have already seen a flashback to Trigon in the in the Rebirth issue. So I'm wondering if they're like touching on that a little bit more than he wanted to, and like literally this was just a case of look, this isn't really the book that I want to be drawing. And so he was comfortable leaving. I mean, that seems like a really minor reason, but that. I thought it was interesting that somebody dug up that specific quote yeah. and kind of extrapolated it to what we saw in that rebirth issue. So I mean creative differences is sort of like the um uh, what's the term term in getting divorced? Irreconcilable differences. Yeah. Like where you, it could mean so many things. Um, right. But it is the first notable departure. I mean, Nicola Scott is leaving Wonder Woman with number fourteen, but we knew that was coming more or less. Yeah, and that's completely amicable, it seems. It seems, yes. I mean, the fact of the matter is, artists leave books. It happens all the time. Right, you know? right, and that, and that she's also she's a Rucka collaborator. Yes. So you know, she's still doing a book with him. Um. So you know, it's not anything between them, or you, right. you would think. Um. Yeah, it seems like maybe there's just something that we don't know about. You know, some other. Uh, commitment. Yeah. yeah, but it's too bad because I like I like his art on that, and I guess Koi Fam is taking over. I like Koi. Yeah, Koi's good. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I think that really is it, news-wise. Um, you know, some, some minor TV stuff and all that. But let's get to the books. We're actually going to break our tradition. We're not going to talk about the Rebirth books first. We're going to talk about four books that are uh, are not Rebirth. We're going to start with Young Animals, Shade the Changing Girl number one, written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Marley Zarconi. And um, yeah, this is the second Young Animal title we've seen. It's, uh, it, again, like Doom Patrol, it harkens back to a previous uh, DC slash Vertigo character. Uh, what do you guys think of this book? Oh, you guys. <laughs> Th- this was seriously... Th- this was better than Doom Patrol, first off. Not that, you know, I don't need to drag Doom Patrol. That was a, that was a good issue. I like that issue. This was like something else, guys. This was awesome. This took me... This This is the book that made me think like, Wow, this really is like some sort of weird mash of like uh, classic Vertigo with like the modern indie comic sensibility. That's um, a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, right. Like just that that whole sequence on on Meta in the middle. Yeah. Oh God. Where Loma is is that yeah, the character's Loma. name? Gets gets. Um, the coat yeah that that whole sequence felt like something out of like sandman or something you know yeah 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 i also think that i haven't really seen this mentioned any place but it was the strongest thing that i found when i read it is how much uh marley zarconi is channeling mike allred here sure yeah Yeah. see that there's a lot of allred um in this and that's never a bad thing for me Um, yeah at all, but that kind of ties it to a different school of indie comics too, right? I mean, it even reminded me a little bit of like a dirtier Adventure Time type sensibility, like, like just in on the on the Meta Planet, you know? Uh-huh. Like it just remind, just like Adventure Time is a show where like you'll just see weird stuff in the background that goes unexplained, and like just crazy designs, and like it totally fit in with like modern cartooning and modern comics in that way while still hearkening back to, I mean, it basically uses rack shade as its inspiration, like him as a poet and a character, right? you know, Which is so cool. Yeah. Like, and I mean, and I, you know, I've only read a few issues of the Peter Milligan shade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I don't have a huge touchstone for that, but I still appreciated it. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I just love how it ties, like, it ties the, the weirdness of, of the madness to, like, this very relatable human girl and this, like, weird situation with a coma that she was in. And, and like, I, I felt like the classmates were written pretty authentically. Yeah. And, uh, and it just, uh, and there was like there was like weird sex and like it just really really like really not something I ever would have expected DC to publish, even in modern Vertigo right now. Much less in its own like like this ah young animal you guys. 
good. This is such a this is such a leap of faith for DC to take, and yet it just seems like an obvious slam dunk, and they're nailing it. Yeah. Um, since this is what we do, are all three of us going to pull this book? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pulling it. That was a silly question. Yeah, we're, we're all pulling this book. It's very, very good. Very uh, good. Up next is uh, Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. Um, this is a prestige format book written by Sarah Vaughn, illustrated by Lan Medina. Um it's uh is it a four issue miniseries? Six issue miniseries? I think it's three. Oh, okay. Nothing I'm what I said. Sure. Let me let me double check that. While I think it is it. I think it's three and I think they're all like essentially two issues shoved together. Yeah. So is it a six issue series in a three issue yeah. yeah. Which is I wonder why they chose to do it that way. Maybe it's them testing the waters for like uh like, listen, we've got we've got a relatively small audience of people that would want to read a book like this. We think, so we're just gonna try it as a three. You know, if you put this out as a three issue thing, regardless of how long it is or what the price tag is, people see that it's three issues. Right. So I feel like it's easier for them to commit. Like it's easier for me to say I'm gonna buy three issues of this book than I'm going to buy six issues of this book. Even if it's costing you the exact same amount of money. Even if it's costing you the exact same, I just think I think they're testing it. You know, I almost think like they're putting out a feeler. Like, well, let's just let's just see how this works. It's almost like an evol- like an extension of the double shipping. Only instead of getting two issues two weeks apart, you get two issues. Oh, like as a single package. Right. Yeah. So, what'd you guys think of this book? I liked it a lot. I like it a lot too. Um, the art's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, Lan Medina. Yeah, I I love the way he draws uh, Dead Man in particular. And and I don't know. It just I don't I don't know if it's just the format or if it's the tone, but it feels very very special. I, I agree. It's totally like you're you're introduced to a group of entirely. Uh, new characters that just happen to have dead man affecting their life, you know, but it's really their story. And, um, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, ghosted or something. It it reminds me of an image or a vertigo or a dark horse, dark horse really, uh, reminds me, it reminded me of a dark horse book where, you know, it's completely original characters and then they have this supernatural thing affecting their life. It just so happens that because this is a DC comic, it's Dead Man. Right. And uh, I liked it a lot, too. I wasn't, like, bowled over in the way that I was uh, Shade the Changing Girl. Mm-hmm. But, but it was so, again, it was so different from what DC... Anyone that's anyone that's worried that DC doesn't think they have room for different books anymore, you know, and, and is doing like a pretty vanilla line with Rebirth, I think the Young Animal stuff and this book are like perfect evidence that that's not the case. They just they they just these books are just not as successful as your bread and butter, so you need to go about them in different ways. And I think this is a really good. I'm I'm glad they're making an attempt at doing like a romance triangle, dead man book. You know, like, yeah. 
it's just so yeah, it's just so different. And 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 again, this is where like this is where DC like is is totally uh, you know upping the diversity quotient. Um, there's a there's a lot of like uh, pansexual type stuff in this book, and that's good. That's always nice to see. Yeah, I mean these these feel like real people, you know. Like, did you guys notice the like the back cover of this thing? I don't know what format you read it in. I'm really, I'm holding it in my hand right now. Okay. The Stay Calm, It's Only a Ghost. Yeah, and it's like a, like isn't that like a totally like dark horse thing? Yeah, it it definitely reminds me. It it's a very much, and this is gonna sound obvious because it's what we're reading. It's very much a bunch of prestige comic thing too, mm-hmm. to have like a little teaser image on the back cover, like this. I look forward to putting this on my shelf next to Batman the Cult. Yeah, you know, like just that that type of uh, story. And again, like it's this is certainly this could be in continuity. This could be out of continuity. Doesn't really matter. It's telling its own story. It's not concerned with being anything more than what it is. And I like that. Yeah, I would. I would love to see more prestige format books like this. Me too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think this is a really interesting. I think this is a really interesting toe to dip into that water, like to start out with a dead man romance book rather than anything else. You know, anything else they could have picked. Right. Very interesting, but I like it. This is obviously a limited pull pirate or pulp, but I, I'm going to pull this book for the duration. Me too. Yeah, I'll pull it. It was, it was really good. Really interesting. All right. That brings us to uh, Death of Hawkman, number one, featuring Adam Strange, written by Mark Andreco, illustrated by Aaron Lepresti. This was solicited as something different, but DC about a month ago was like, nope, psych, it's about Hawkman dying. <laughs> Which I don't know if they... I think it would have been way more interesting to not make that announcement and just to get the book in my hands and to see it now called Death of Hawkman. Um, or to not call it that at all because it spoils the end of the story. <laughs> but, you know, these are all things that can be discussed. Um, this was a... Uh, it was really way more of an Adam Strange story than it was a Hawkman story. Um. Yeah, yeah. I thought it's funny when you when you say it's featuring Adam Strange. It, it's it's only Adam Strange, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> there's like a there's like another gag with uh, uh, Hawkman being like super bloody and like pulling arrows out of his body. That was kind of like a Jeff Johns when he like shows up to the JLA meeting. Yeah. he's covered in blood, and he's like, "It's not my blood." Yeah. <laughs> It's, Which was something Jeff Johns would mention in interviews going back like years before. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's like yeah. a weird thing that Johns is obsessed with. It was just an amazing gag that he had to. I just gotta put that in a book one day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good gag though. And uh, yeah, I mean, I liked this book too. I thought it was. Uh, now it was Aaron Lepresti, which I know you guys are not huge Lepresti heads. <laughs> he was um, perfectly cromulent here. Very cromulent superhero art, yeah. Um, 
the, the thing that stood out about this book to me was its sense of humor. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge Mark Andreco fan. Like, one of my favorite things that DC has done in the last 10 years were those Manhunter backups. Uh-huh. They were in Detective Comics. Uh, it was Kate Spencer, Manhunter. And those were always such, like, clever... You know, they were just, like, little five- to ten-page backups or whatever. But they were... Like, they had zippy dialogue. They were so clever. They always ended on these great cliffhangers. And, like, you, you see that here, too. Just, like, snappy dialogue. There was a great exchange that he had with Cyborg. Yes. Where he said... I forget what he says. But he says, like... Like, uh... Uh teleportation is my jam or something like that yeah cyborg says don't ever say that again yeah and uh this is the opposite of blue beetle where like all the quippy dialogue totally worked and felt natural and didn't feel forced yes thank you um also of note uh kind of tying in this conversation with our earlier conversation mark and and jeff parker are co-writing a Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77 series for DC. Pretty cool. Yeah, so that's just... While we're on the Andreco tip, let's talk about that. Um, but yeah, uh, this book was fine. You know, there was nothing great in it, nothing bad in it, though I enjoyed it. I think Lepresti did some nice work. I think Andreco wrote a good script. Um, I was, I'm was, i like the one person who was more excited for this book before it was called Death of Hawkman. Because I love Hawkman and I want Hawkman as part of the DCU, but we all know that a death for Hawkman doesn't really mean anything. Right. Um, so can I ask you guys? I'd like to hear both of your opinions on this. Sure. So I, I, I like I know why we got a Dead Man book because I think they wanted to do like a genre title to satisfy something outside of Rebirth. I know why we got a Midnighter and Apollo book because Midnighter's an insanely popular character and people have been waiting to get those two together uh, since Orlando started writing Midnighter, basically. And they've got Wildstorm coming up, which which may or may not dovetail into this, but at least it's part of the same uh, thought space, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Why are we getting a Death of Hawkman book? Like, do either of you have any idea why this... Because no one ever knows what to do with Hawkman. <laughs> well, it, I think Zach is right, but I also think maybe they have a really out there pitch for a new Hawkman series. Yeah, and they have to take him off the table before they do that. Well, and I also want like in naming it Death of Hawkman. I wonder if there's something that you know there there has to be another shoe that's going to drop. Um, this is also but- very CWE. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean they were on Legends last year. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just feel like I feel like this is such a weird thing that there needs to be some sort of secret reason that we don't know about for this book existing. Well, I noticed something really interesting the other day. I was putting away some comics that were kind of stacked up on my desk. And I came across the Suicide Squad Most Wanted book. The or, Not Most Wanted. What was the one that um, Ostrander wrote? 
Oh, that like one shot. It was a one oh, shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the Amanda Waller thing. Yes. Yeah. So that had the rebirth banner on it, but this doesn't, and Midnight and Apollo doesn't, and I yeah. wonder. I wonder if there is a a fundamental difference there. There's there's one thing in Apollo and Midnighter that shocked me, which we'll get to in a minute. I don't know why this wouldn't be a, a rebirth. If they can do a rebirth one shot, why couldn't they do a rebirth miniseries, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if some of that just has to do with, like, Suicide Squad was the thing when that right. issue came out, you know, and maybe they wanted to cash in on both Rebirth's success and the movie being out, whereas here, you know, there's not not that draw to put the Rebirth banner on it for whatever right. reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm personally probably pirating this. I, I, I hope it's good, but I'm not necessarily ready to pull this just yet. How do you guys feel? Same. Yeah, same. I mean, I think I'm I'm pretty positive about it, but but it, but I'd be lying if I said it's on the level of like any of the other books that I'm pulling. So right. Yeah. And right, that brings us to our last non-rebirth book of the night, uh, Midnight and Apollo, number one, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Fernando Blanco. Now, this book, um, first of all, I liked it a lot. Oh, there's so good. there's nothing not to like in this. For the most part, the thing that shocked me about this book. Now, first of all, just you have to understand, like this is a book that is about a, a couple of superheroes who are a couple, and so there is there is a little bit of sex in this book. Nothing salacious at all, but it's certainly there's probably more um, more sex in this book than the average rebirth title, right? Uh-huh. But the one thing I noticed was that um, you know if you look at, at most of these books. They're rated T for T. Uh-huh. Something I don't really take note of because I'm a grown ass man who makes his own decisions. But you know, it's um they're all rated T. This is rated T plus. Uh-huh. Um and I believe it's Apollo calls somebody an asshole in the book. Yeah. And that really surprised me because I feel like DC has been so careful to not have stuff like that in their books. That word was used in at least one issue of Midnighter as was well. Was it really? Yeah. Yep. I don't remember that. Yep. Yep. He Interesting. Called, he called somebody an asshole at some point. Yeah, Apollo punches somebody here and says, you first, asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to have a book that's more mature. I also think that, for the most part, kids probably aren't picking this book up. No. But you know what? It, this... I'm I, I'm totally for this. Like like Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean the the rating is there, you know. It's and and when we were kids, we were like trying to sneak into like R-rated movies and stuff, you know? I mean like it's going to happen. It's not going to ruin anyone's life, right? Like like let's just back off a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. It just it, it's not a move that offends me in any way. It just doesn't seem like a very DC move. Well, it's another it's another thing that's really refreshing, and it, and it and it really did start with Midnighter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Zach, what'd you think? Oh, I thought it was very good. That the opening sequence alone was really really good. <laughs> yeah. The train fight. Mm-hmm. 
the train fight. So good. Yeah. One thing I appreciated about that was when he finally like got to the final boss pirate at the oh. end. He the pirate was not speaking in like ah me hearties, you know, like like that, but he was mm-hmm. using old-timey pirate terms. And I can't I don't have it in front of me right now, but but he definitely says something that like an old pirate would say, just not in the in the vernacular that the pirate would would probably speak it. You know, mm-hmm. The, so the bust point. my blind cheeks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, but the rest of it was not, you know, like he, like a, a real pirate that you see in a movie might have said like me, me blind cheeks, you right, know, or whatever. Right, yeah. But this is like a pirate that was speaking relatively normally until that last line. You know, <laughs> it really made me chuckle. Yeah, I'm pulling this book hardcore. Did you notice Midnighter kneeing somebody in the head and have and the head just popped clean off? I did notice that, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh damn. Yeah, I'm pulling this. You guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pull yeah. I've never met a Steve Orlando book I didn't pull. <laughs> uh, that's a good thing to be able to say <laughs> about somebody. Yeah. All right, let's just rapid fire. We've been talking almost an hour. Let's just rapid fire this. Um, Night of the Monster Men, Batman and Nightwing. You guys good. still on board with this? Yep, good stuff. Yeah, very good. I'm I'm very excited to see them get into their Power Rangers. Uh, oh man, uh, Zords or whatever they're called. Yep. It's gonna be great. <laughs> also, can we just say uh, Riley Rosmo? <laughs> like, yes. he is so on point right now. Oh yeah, I love his Batman. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I encountered somebody this weekend who doesn't like this crossover. Well, there are there are some crazy people out there. Yep, I agree. Do they, do they also host a podcast? They do. Oh. Oh. Nobody you guys know. Okay. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> that that got cryptic for no reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, that that's a good crossover. Um, Cyborg number two, written by John Semper Jr., illustrated by Paul Pelletier. Um, this, this was considerably weaker than the the last couple issues. This is every bit as unreadable as a Harley Quinn or a Blue Beetle. Well, I think I must just have a radar for that now because I <laughs> I skipped this one. <laughs> it was yeah. so dense. It, this this Kilgore with the stupid fucking percentage sign instead of an O, um, like it's uh, it's Kilg percent or. Okay, sorry, Kilg percent or just spends the whole issue just monologuing in the most obnoxious way, and um, like I hate like the, the, how can I put this? There are sometimes when I like it when I figure out something before. I read it in the book. It makes me feel smart and fun. And like, oh, that's how they can stop him. The way to stop him was so clear so early <laughs> on in this book, but it took 20 pages to get there. Uh-huh. There's a little twist at the end that's kind of interesting, but this is this is a bad book. This issue was not good at all. Um, maybe Vince disagrees with me. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree. I was... Can I say the thing that bothered me the most? Well, okay, first of all... Remember when I was talking about issue number one and how it was so refreshing that it was like 25% fight scene and like 75% f- 
finding myself, like yes. Dick Stone finding himself. Um, that was so refreshing, and I I would read that book. You know, it might not be a perfect book, it might be a little wonky or overwrought at times, but I would read that book seven days a week and twice on Sunday or how, whatever you say. Uh, <laughs> but this book was almost 100% fight scene, uh, which just reminded me of every other like cyborg book we've read since, since the new 52 began. Yep. Like they just, they just pit him in these, they, they just seem to like set him up against robots that he just needs to figure out clever technological ways of defeating. And there's, it completely dropped any sense of character. I thought, you know, yeah. You you may have thought that there was too much like, oh, Vic doesn't wa- doesn't want to have fun because he can just access anything on his on the internet, you know, in his mind or whatever, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that that was that was a fine criticism, but at least that's better than just like a mindless. Oh, ag- blog, absolutely, you know? yeah. But beyond that, the thing that was most difficult about this issue was. And I don't know who to blame for this, whether it's Paul Pelletier or the colorist or just the the entire aesthetic of the writer and the artist and how everything came together just all together. But, like, it was really difficult to differentiate characters from backgrounds and then read all the lettering. It was very dark. It took a long time to read. It was not a pleasurable read in any way. No, and like things blended into one another. Like even the word balloons seemed to blend into the background just based on how everything was colored and there were like wires everywhere. Like so many lines that that there was no breathing room, you know? Mm-hmm. Just the entire aesthetic of this issue really bothered me. It needed it needed a 10-page jazz sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, this issue makes me want to pulp the book, but I'm still going to pirate it because it was just one bad issue so far. I didn't love the last issue, but I hated this one. Zach, Zach misplaced the issue, so. Yeah, I might go back and read it at some point, but yeah, I don't know. There's the, I, I wasn't crazy about the last issue and the things that you guys are saying about it doesn't, um you know, enamor me to the idea of, of uh, following it. So. Yeah, I, I, I think he'd be, you know, I think you would even just be fine skipping this one and hopping on with the next issue. Really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, honestly, like. I agree. That, well, let's spoil the end for you. Like, I, Well, I did flip through it. I saw the ending. So I okay. do know at least like what happens. Yeah, that's all you really need, I guess. I'm giving this one more issue before it goes to the pulper and i and i was i was higher on this book than anyone yeah and this really this one issue just really soured it for me i could it was like you said i it was hard to even get through um and that was more it was more than just on the writer i think the entire aesthetic of the book just just kind of tanked i did like the some of the pelletier stuff later in the book like when there's a specific sequence I'm thinking of where, like, I guess it's when Vic is hooked up to that, um, to the, like, machine or whatever, where uh-huh. you see, like, inside of his, like, the inner workings of his brain and how it's, like, there's lots of computer screens and they're all connected. I thought that stuff looked very cool. 
Oh, that was really cool. Yeah, there was like a yeah, and there were like uh, wires that you kind of followed from. Yes, scene to exactly. Scene. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think his art is still really good. I just think that the final product, including his art, just didn't come together in a way. You know, his art did not help the book from being difficult to read. You know. Yep. Can't disagree with that. Anyhow. All right, these next ones we're just going to really quickly fly through. Um, Aquaman, Abnett, Scott Eaton, perfectly crime-related issue. Yep, still, still pretty, still fun. Still, still good. Um, Green Arrow by Ben Percy and Otto Schmidt. Welcome back, Otto Schmidt. Welcome oh, back, yeah. Otto Schmidt. This issue is kind of weird. It is kind of weird. This issue was hot. It was. This, I give it three wet about kisses. CW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, CW, all right. You see a lot more than the W, let me Ooh. tell you. Woo. Whatever that yeah. means. Yeah. I don't know. It was real pretty, light on story, Yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was light on, you know, this was, this was Green Arrow's, like, day at the state fair, if the state fair were <laughs> genitals. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you guys forgot to mention Devil getting a, a literal bear hug. <laughs> yes. And you know what I? You know what I loved about that scene? What? This, this is like a half robot, half bear, just carries Diggle away, and he's rel- He's relatively okay with yeah, it. Yeah. He's like, he's oh, whatever. Like, he's like, hey, this this Terminator bear just carried me to your lair. Like, what's going on here, guys? <laughs> it's almost like a car like drove by a puddle and got him wet. He's yeah. like, come on, hey, yeah. a, a robot bear, really? Oh, this just isn't uh, my day. Yeah, exactly. But you guys got some explaining to do. Yeah, not great, not terrible. I thought she was going to be a hallucination the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I got I kept waiting too. for that shoe to drop. Well, I think, I think that could still be coming. Uh, I'm pretty sure it already came. Whoa! Boom. Um... <laughs> All right, Justice League number six. I like this issue a lot, you guys. I liked it until the end. Okay. That, that was a little weird when 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 uh, Barry went all super dick. When when everybody turns into the dark suited Superman for Superman three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throwing uh, back shots of liquor. Just shooting peanuts at the uh, liquor bottles. Yeah. Um, I, this issue had a lot of good stuff in it. It it we see, we see the return of Ringo Alfred. Yeah. Would you, sir? You know, right there. Um, an asshole. Yeah. There was a lot of really wonky Brian Hitch dialogue in here. Yeah, but you know... But that's, that's just par for the course, though. I'm finding it really charming. I yeah. am. There was, there, was, there was something Barry said, I gotta find it now, that was like the worst bit of shoehorning in a character's history to a current scene. Uh, oh, where is it here? Oh, it's the part about his mom. Yeah, he's like, um, uh, feels like I've been here for days. All the time I have to slow down. I'm not out there saving folks like my mom. Well, see, I feel like this is when he has kind of stepped into dick mode. Like that. Was I the guess first. so. Yeah. Because yeah, the other one, like that dialogue, that just doesn't. It doesn't flow at all. At all, it's bad. Yeah. Which I guess that's like. <laughs> Rather than making everyone just like kind of lousy, it it just made it's like here, here's an excuse to just kind of like phone in the last six pages of the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. 
That's true. That is really true because the first the first half of the book was really nicely done. Like like all that stuff with Barry and, and Jessica and their date was like so sweet, you know. Yeah, yeah. He he's real nervous about it, so he's changing outfits and then he comes and brings her flowers, but he ran too fast, so they got destroyed. And uh and um you know, like she's real nervous because she's got her, her anxiety. Mental yeah, and yeah, and and just and uh, Simon and Vic are going to a high school football game together. Yeah, getting some burgers. You know, like I actually realized as I was reading this that both Simon and Vic live in Michigan, so like huh? it kind of it kind of makes sense that they'd be hanging out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is not bad. Like that's that's a fine uh, that's a fine development. I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know what? Another thing that I like about, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but what I've really liked about Brian Hitch's Justice League is that it's not afraid to be like a dumb superhero book too, because they now they've beaten like two major villains mm-hmm. by just using like positivity. <laughs> yeah, like superheroic ideas. You know. Yeah. They're not necessarily using any like specific strategy or combination of powers or anything. They're using like very heady, uh, overarching superhero concepts. Like they're winning. We can't let them win. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And that's like so refreshing because I feel like, um, I feel like like the movies especially, but also comics, have gotten closer and closer to trying to make superheroes have like realistic, logical, right, uh, on paper ways of overcoming their struggles or whatever as long as there's an internal logic i'm fine yeah like it, doesn't, yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to relate to the real world at all no no like literally they beat fear by forming a big circle jerk and right and then they win the day except for whatever fear is like poisoning them now and making superman want to kill batman yeah but yeah that was <laughs> i like this book yeah Damn it. Uh, Matthew Clark's art was, was nice, too. It was, yes. I'm glad he was on the book. Um, that brings us to Green Lanterns. Zach, did you skip this one, too? No, I read this one. Oh. And I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Like This, this was the best. Two-parter. This might be the best one they've done so far. Yeah, no, I agree. This little two-parter, I think, has been a nice change of pace. I mean, that's not saying too much, that it's the best they've done. <laughs> well, but, you yeah. Know, it's okay. It's fine. Um, I I just love that. Like, it's a Halloween issue. Okay, there's like trick or treaters, and they're dressing up like Justice League characters. Again, this is a tiny thing, but it's like what they used to do in pre Flashpoint. Like all the humans admired the Justice League and like treated them like treated them like celebrities, but like normal. Like, it was also normal, you Right, know? yeah. Like, like we're not afraid of them. We're going to let our kids dress up like superheroes. It, and... It's almost like how people treat superstar athletes. Yeah. We're like, they, they're clearly on a different, like, physical plane than we are, but it's not creepy to have them, like, show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a really good, yeah. And I love the cover, by the way. Yes. The cover, the cover's my favorite thing about the... You've got the prominent kids that are all dressed up like the different, you know. And then you've got uh, 
Simon and Jessica in their own like construct costumes. Yeah. Just such a such a clever co- I think, you know, there should be a handful of Halloween covers every year like this. Yeah. Very nice. And last but not least, Superman number 8 written by Tomasi and Gleason, illustrated by Doug, Mo- Doug Monkey and uh this is a Darwin Cook tribute arc. Oh. And it's pretty great. Oh man. Zach, take it away. You loved this one. Yeah. Oh, I loved this issue so much. Like, so this is like directly referencing. I think is it the first issue of Justice League New Frontier or DC New Frontier? I believe it is the first issue. Yes. Yeah. Um, man, this was just so much fun. You know, just like more, um, you know super father-son stuff crypto we get a great reference to like a great joke of of crypto like continuously being eaten what is it with you and getting eaten all the time it's great <laughs> it's so great it's just yeah like it's just fun i mean and you know i guess you know my only qualm i guess with it is i i feel like it not that i don't enjoy Doug Monkey, but I feel like this particular issue would have um, suited somebody else better. Yeah, it would have suited yeah. Jimenez or, or Gleason a little bit better. Um, but but other than that, you know, it was fantastic. Agreed completely. Yeah. Yeah, good comic, guys. I, I Once again, I love that it's allowed to do this. Like, I love that it's allowed to revisit uh, something that was very clearly Darwin Cook's um, creation, you know. Yes. Or, or he did he totally create Dinosaur Island, or was that around before? I know it was around before. Well, but you know, it's it's his. Everyone knows it as, as yeah. his the New Frontier stuff. Yeah. Um. That, yeah. So, good week. Um, Next week, we have... Let's see here. We got Doom Patrol number two. Mm. We got the the Flash, Suicide Squad, Deathstroke, Red Hood, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Hal and the GLC, Wonder Woman, New Superman, Superwoman, Supergirl... Detective, which is the Monster Man conclusion, action, Gotham Academy second semester. That sounds like a winner of a week to me. Yeah. Um, The weeks that have... It's interesting. I would much rather have... I wish The Flash could switch with Green Lanterns in terms of its release schedule. So you could have (laughs) Superman, uh, The Flash, and... um, no, actually, I guess we need Superman to swap in here because the Flash already has Detective with it. So, anyway, what I'm saying is there's lots of good comics right now, guys. <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, but if you wanted to find the three of us on Twitter, you can find me at Brian is an app. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And uh, thanks for listening, as always. And... We'll be back next week to talk about um, all things DC. So um, have a good week, guys. Enjoy your comics, young animals. (laughs) Wildstorm.
monster. <laughs> something, something. Not fast enough. Show's over. 